Good evening, Jen here. It is Monday, April the 18th. I'm just snuggling here with my kitty, Finn. He's being a sweetheart. And uh, he's definitely in his wrinkly nose mood, I like to call it, because every time he wants love, his nose is wrinkly. And I've tried to tell my daughter that, but she never sees it because it's usually only with me. Um, so I don't think she's ever seen it yet, but it's really funny that when he wants love, he gets a wrinkly nose. I can't explain it beyond that, but just little cat eccentricities. Um, I haven't been on here for a bit, uh, mostly because I've been working on other, other things and, um, some of the topics that I've wanted to talk about, I've kind of been waiting until I have a f- more fully developed podcast to talk about them. But I thought I'd get on here and just say a few words about the dreaded topic religion since we just had Easter yesterday. Um, because I think, I mean, number one, it's a very complicated topic. Um, And so I'm not going to say too much today, but just some initial thoughts. Um, Because I've had an interesting journey with religion. I grew up being raised Methodist, which is Christian. Um, I remember having talks with my dad in particular about religion growing up. And um, we both had agreed at that time that religion and science could coexist and they could complement each other. Um, And to a degree, I still think that, but it depends on what that means, which I can talk about in a minute. But um, when I was in junior high is when I really started critically thinking about religion because I was taking confirmation classes. And I remember having a discussion with my pastor about heaven and hell. And basically came to the conclusion that I don't, I didn't believe in hell because I didn't believe that an all loving God would allow that to happen. An all powerful, all loving God, like it doesn't make any sense. And I don't happen to be someone who believes in the devil in the sense, or really in God in the sense that it's some sort of like actual being that's dictating things. Um, My belief system is much more abstract, much more metaphoric. Um, So, you know, that was just kind of the beginnings of my journey down that path. Um, And then I, for a while, really questioned all religion and thought maybe I was atheist. Um, And then I read Marcus Borg, who is a more progressive Christian who brought Christianity from basically from fundamentalism to an audience of people that didn't believe in fundamentalism and don't believe that all the stories are necessarily real or that they happened, especially the more fantastical stories, including the resurrection, that um, we could approach the Bible in terms of metaphor and what those metaphors can teach us about life and about our purpose here. 
So then I thought I was a progressive Christian, and then I've just gradually come to the conclusion that I'm an agnostic, and what that means is that I don't know if there's a higher power. I, I do believe that there is some sort of higher something that organizes our universe and that it's beyond our understanding, but I do believe in some sort of power or energy or something that, you know, could potentially be eventually explained through scientific discovery. Um, my daughter, when she was in, I don't remember exactly how old she was, but somewhere between 10 and 12, um, she told me, she actually came to me. We hadn't really ever talked about it and said that she was an atheist. And I explained to her why I was not an atheist and why I was an agnostic. And it's because I felt that for the same reason that fundamentalists can't claim to have all the right answers and to know that their truth is the right truth is the same reason I can't say that there is no God because I don't know. And to me, that's just as self-righteous, I guess, to make a statement like that before we understand how all that there is to know about our universe. And then my daughter said, well, that's nice, but I still don't believe in God. I believe in science. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's where you're at in your journey right now. So, you know, you should keep exploring that. And that's kind of what I've always allowed her to do is just to come to her own conclusions because I know that she has her own path to walk as far as spirituality is concerned. And I don't want to be too influential in that because I think it is her path to walk. And I do trust her judgment and her own capacity to figure things out for herself. Um, so that's a journey that, you know, she'll walk and she'll evolve and maybe she'll continue to be an atheist. Who knows? Um, she may not. We'll see. Uh, but for me, I think there's some truth in all religions. And I think where we run into issues is when a religion decides and proselytizes that they are the one true church or that they have their, all the answers, that they know what is going to happen and how the world should be, you know, almost um, that type of theology where they have almost an autocratic theological figure, like one authoritarian who dictates how they should live their lives. In this case, um, for a lot of fundamentalist Christians, that's the Bible. They believe that it was literally written by God and that it's divine and that it's infallible, which is ludicrous because not only does it have a million contradictions and tons of evil in it, but it's they're historical documents that have been passed down and translated and retranslated and, you know, have different writers and different accounts of what happened. And most of the accounts took place hundreds of years and were written down hundreds of years after it, the events actually occurred. And it's just crazy to me that people think that that's the literal word of God. But I digress. Um, 
but they're very authoritarian minded. And I do think that when you approach your morality and your principles and your way of life around one supposed entity who's telling you how to live your life. And in this case, it's really the pastor who's telling them and helping them interpret because there's so many different ways to interpret the Bible. So it just depends on which church you go to, which pastor you go to, um, how you choose to see the passages that are in there and what it's trying to tell you. So, But regardless, they're trained to think that they need to follow an authority figure basically blindly without evidence or facts. And the problem with that is you're susceptible to that in political systems. So you're susceptible to propaganda and you're you're prone to or susceptible to cult figures of personality who are strong men or women who seem to have all the answers and you gravitate towards their quote-unquote truth and you believe these things without evidence again without facts so hence why we have the cult the trump cult is obvious the obvious example but it's also how people lean into a lot of conspiracy theories they find some sort of thread of potential truth or something that could be true and then they start to pull on that thread and basically form the rest of their reality around that and only look for evidence to support that truth as opposed to looking at all the evidence and then determining in a logical way what makes the most sense. It's basically the difference between an open-ended mindset and a closed-ended mindset. When you have an open-ended way of thinking, you're taking in all of the factors, all of the facts, all of the evidence, um, all of the environment around you and experiences that you've held and had throughout your past and present. And you're making a logical, educated decision based on that. A closed-minded way of thinking is when you are only looking for evidence to support what you believe. (coughs) Excuse me. So that becomes a problem. And that is how authoritarians take hold of people's minds. Um, That's how cult personalities take hold of people's minds and manipulate them. So that is why I have a problem with fundamentalist religion, because it basically trains them to process their world in this unhealthy way. It doesn't mean I'm anti-religion necessarily. I do understand that people need things to believe in. They need groups that are positive and help make sense of the world to them. You know, I don't I don't mind religions that use the Bible as metaphor or use, you know, narratives and stories to help teach principles and morals that lead us to a more empathetic and compassionate society. Like Jesus did, like how Jesus is represented. Um at least by some churches. He's not represented as empathetic and compassionate and giving and, you know, basically what these days we would call a progressive-minded person. Um, He's not represented that way in all religions and all variations of Christianity, but 
the ones that do, you know, I think are positive and I think they teach the right things. But again, it's all up for interpretation and it's all relative based on your point of view. So I'm trying to loosen my stance on religion because for a long time I'm like, it's dangerous. I'm no, I don't care what type of religion you are. You can't claim to have all the truth. You need to have an open an open door discussion on different viewpoints and different perspectives and different ways of being and living. Um, so, you know, my church is reading books and gaining knowledge on lots of different topics, reading the experts in whatever it is that I'm studying. Um, I went through a phase where on Sundays I didn't go to church. I listened to Oprah's Super Soul Sunday because she would interview a different thought leader or spiritual leader, a different person per week. And so you're getting another profound perspective on God and love and death and religion and spirituality and life. And you take all of these different conversations and all of these different people's perspectives and their own lived experiences and you find common threads and it starts to make sense to you as you apply them all to your own life. And to me, that is a way more authentic church to be part of than one indoctrinated you know, restrictive perspective on how we should view God, how we should we should view Jesus Christ, how we should view the Bible, how we should view humanity. And of course, we all know that so many churches are truly just power institutions like the Catholic Church, which has been extremely abusive and sheltered abusive behavior and was wielded for power for many, many, many years and continues to be today as much as I enjoy Pope Francis. <laughs> um, so I think it all needs to be taken into, into perspective, into context about that church's stance and what, what they teach and why and how and what their motivation is, these mega churches with all their money, um, and still having nonprofit status. I think at the end of the day, you always have to look first at the money trail and the motivations around that. Second, the power. Who has the power and why? And once you know those two things, then you start to break down each church and, and what its true mission and purpose are. And are they doing good to the world or are they doing harm? And I think community is so important. So many people, you know, they go to church for community and that's a positive thing and I support that. So long as they're not using the messages that they learn at church to harm people. So it's a big topic. Um, I don't want to go too much farther into it tonight. But these are my initial thoughts that have been rolling around in my head this Easter weekend into today. 
you know, to me, the spiritual journey is a very personal experience. And I, I don't think that it's wrong to speak out about your own personal experience. I think it is very important to share that. But I also think it's should not be proselytized. So the difference between sharing and proselyt I can't say that word ever, proselytizing <laughs> is that in one, you're just sharing your experience so you can connect with other people. And the other, you are telling people and preaching to people what you believe truth is and means with the intention of converting them. And I don't think that anyone should try to be converted to anyone else's way of thinking. I think that has to be a personal journey. And you can certainly share your experiences with them, but convert, converting them through any type of manipulation is just wrong, in my opinion. So, and I really am strongly against missionary work because I don't think that we have a right to go into another culture and tell them what they should believe and try to change their culture. I think that that's wrong. And I know a lot of people do it, and I know you're, you think you're doing good and you know you're trying to do good you're building houses or whatever there's a lot of different things that occur or ways that people help people in other countries and other cultures you know from a poverty standpoint and I think that's all great and you should go and do that but don't proselytize while you're doing it um that's not your place to go into another culture and try to colonize it or try to change the way that culture thinks because you think your way is the right way. I think it's wrong. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I have strong thoughts on it. Um, I just think the most important way to be human is to recognize the humanness in others And the best way to do that is to listen to them and their perspective, to understand their journey, and to find ways to connect through your commonalities. And you can definitely share your own experiences. And if they differ, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, they're they're different perspectives. You watch different journeys. You have different fears, different traumas, different every, you know, there's not going to be one person who thinks exactly the same as anybody else in any given topic. So listening is the number one best quality if you want to be someone who is trying to connect with another person. The more we listen, the more we hear other people's stories different from ours, the more we can seek understanding in their experience, and that can better inform everything, our path, their path, how you relate to each other, how that affects the broader human condition, and how people behave in groups, and how people behave in certain scenarios. I mean, it's through listening. It's not through proselytizing.
I think about this stuff a lot because it's a huge problem in our country right now. We have, you know, evangelical Christians infiltrating our political system and creating laws around stuff that takes away people's freedoms and doesn't allow people to be who they are, their beautiful, unique individual selves. They're doing this through anti-abortion laws. They're doing this through anti-LGBTQ laws. Um, They're taking people's voting rights away because they don't believe that everyone deserves an equal say in this country. And they're doing it under the guise of God which is profoundly not only detrimental, but dangerous to a democracy. So it's, it's a big deal how we approach religion and how we treat it in this country. And we can't tolerate theocrats trying to take over power. We can't tolerate it. That's the end of our that's the end of our democracy, in my mind. And it's been moving that way since the late sixties. And it picked up speed in the eighties. And it's since Trump took power, it's been on steroids. And now we're trying to undo the damage. So I don't think that everyone that's an authoritarian is necessarily a theocrat. I think a lot of them are using that to their advantage. They're using that voting base, that evangelical Christian voting base to their advantage to take power. But I do think a lot of the voting power from evangelical Christians and other theocrats are pushing a good chunk of the energy around that movement. The, the authoritarian movement in this country. So it is important. It has profound effects on all of our lives. And so we can't take, we can't just say, well, it's okay that they're fundamentalists and believe, I mean, they yes, they can believe what they want, but they cannot put their beliefs onto other people. And when you start to make it political, that's what you're doing. So I am developing a podcast on wokeness because it's a big topic and this could actually be put into that too because, you know, the counterpoint is that wokeness is making, you know, that's the counterpoint to theocracy is that we're letting anything go and like our traditional values are deteriorating and I have a lot to say about that. I'm not going to say that anything about that here. I'm going to wait till I talk about it in my podcast I'm developing on wokeness. Um, but there are a lot of like interesting dynamics at play. And I do think we need to keep the conversation going. I'm not here to shut out evangelical Christians. I'm not here to shut out fundamentalists. I'm here to have a conversation with them. Because, and I know like a lot of people, a lot of people on the left will say, you can't, you can't even converse with these people. You have to defeat them. And yes, I think politically we do ultimately have to defeat them because they, we are not probably not going to change their mind. Um, it's really hard to undo a cult, close, close-minded way of thinking. It's, it's very hard to come out of that. It can be done. But 
it's especially hard when you have a huge group of a huge movement force that's supporting each other down that path. <laughs> um, so ultimately, yeah, we need voting power, but at any rate, um, my daughter's home, so I'm going to end this now, um, but things to think about, and I will be talking about it again on another day. I hope you all have a wonderful evening. Talk to you soon.